as I prayed and meditated on what I should speak on this morning, I was directed again to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and uh, verses 13 through 17. <clears throat> and that is part of the reading from last week, and I chose not to read the whole second chapter to you again. Uh, but uh, we're going to notice some things before we read that scripture. So I asked you to just bow your heads and ask the Lord to help me as I try to share with you this morning. <clears throat> Lord, I know that in myself I'm inadequate to present the word of God, certainly not worthy to do it. Lord, I'm here because you called me, and I pray that you'll give guidance and direction and wisdom to me this morning as I share from the scriptures to this people. I pray, dear Lord, it will be a time of uplift and encouragement as we look to Jesus and know that uh, he is ever-present with us and his promises are always true. We thank you and we ask these favors in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you very much, uh, Josiah, for your choice of song, Standing on the Promises. It goes along with the title. And uh, so the title of the message is Stand Firm and Hold to the Teachings Given You. So that was the last part of the message last week was to stand firm and to hold to, hold to the teachings. It says uh, to the traditions in the King James, uh, the NIV says teachings, and I understand that the word can be translated both ways. So when we looked at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, um, Paul is speaking here at the beginning of the chapter. He says, now we beseech you, brethren. Uh, he is, the word beseech means to implore or almost to beg. Uh, and he's talking to Christians. He says, brethren, uh, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, so he is basing what he is saying on the, on the fact that Jesus is coming again. And, and he seems to uh, refer to the rapture when he says that because he goes on by another phrase there, doesn't he, in that first verse. And by our gathering together unto him. And we know that when we talk about Christ's return, <clears throat> that when he comes for the church, we are going to be gathered together unto him. And we refer back again to 1 Thessalonians, uh, where Paul tells them in chapter 4 that he did not want them to be uninformed. He wanted them to know that those who had died were not lost from the glories of heaven, and that uh, we didn't have to grieve for those that are believers in Christ that die as the world grieves. Yes, we grieve, but when we grieve, it is because of a temporary loss of association and fellowship 
but we're going to gather again. So uh, he said that, uh, he says that the Lord is going to come and uh, God is going to bring them back that have died and their spirits are going to be reunited with glorified bodies. <clears throat> now when you say, how do we know that our old bodies are not going to be as they were. If you look over in the book of Corinthians, and I'm not going to turn to all these scriptures, <clears throat> but uh, that would be 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, Paul says that this corruptible, <clears throat> he's talking about the resurrection, this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So, so when we talk about incorruption, we're talking about an end to all the disease and sufferings and all that this body has been ravaged by, uh, whatever it is, arthritis, cancer, uh, all kind of diseases that fasten themselves to us. Uh, so uh, he says that uh, the Lord is going to descend, the Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout, it's going to be the voice of the archangel. It's going to be a loud voice and the trump of God. So it's going to be, as it were, revelry. Uh, they tell us that uh, when Winston Churchill died, uh, that uh, at the end of his funeral, uh, that there was, in one of the lower towers, there was the soft playing of taps. Uh, and of course, uh, that speaks of a day being done, uh, and and so it gives honor to those uh, in the military. Day is done, and so forth. Uh, but they said that in another tower, uh, maybe a little higher, a little further off, uh, there was another bugler, and he was playing revelry. <laughs> Uh, because there is going to be revelry, isn't there? It's not just going to be goodbye. Uh, and that was their way in his funeral. Maybe it was through his plans, probably was, uh, that it would not just be goodbye, but he was waiting for a glad sound of a trumpet to call him out of the grave, that it was going to be a revelry. It was going to be get up. It's time to get up. It's time to move on, move on into a new day. Uh, so the dead in Christ shall rise first, uh, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Uh, and so he says to meet the Lord in the air. Uh, there's a song like that that we've sung. I don't know if we've sung it here or not, but there's going to be a meeting in the air in the sweet, sweet by and by. Uh, so there is coming a meeting in the air when Jesus comes back for his waiting church. Uh, and Paul says, comfort one another with these words. Uh, when we talk about uh, bodies that have been broken being restored <clears throat> and things that uh, we have 
put up with in this life. Uh, all of you probably know the name of Johnny Erickson Tata. Uh, Johnny was uh, a teenage girl when uh, she was diving into some pool of water and it was not deep enough uh, to accommodate her dive and she broke her neck and became a quadriplegic. Does everybody know Johnny Erickson Tata? Yeah, you know the name. Um, so uh, it's, a, it's a miracle. I mean, think of Chris Reeves, Superman, that was paralyzed in that jumping accident. He was on a horse and uh, he became paralyzed. Uh, he didn't last very long after he was paralyzed. Uh, Johnny has been paralyzed as a quadriplegic uh, for decades. I don't know how many decades, but a long time. Uh, she sings, she draws. Uh, you know, she started off drawing, uh, painting with her mouth with a tooth, with a paintbrush, not a toothbrush, but a paintbrush in her mouth. Uh, and uh, uh, she has a program on the radio you can listen to. Uh, she's always upbeat. I mean, she's going through a lot of things. I know she's had breast cancer. Um, uh, she's had a lot of challenges in her life. Uh, but she keeps the faith, and she keeps on bragging on Jesus and all, on how he has helped her. Um, but she wrote this in anticipation of the coming transformation that's going to come because it could happen that she could go to be with the Lord before she dies. Uh, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? If she was snatched away before death and went to be with the Lord uh, from her wheelchair, uh, from her electronic devices and so forth to help her get along. Uh, suddenly to be free of the wheelchair, suddenly to be free of all the encumbrances uh, that she has to put up with. Uh, she says uh, somewhere, this is, these are a quote from her words, somewhere in my broken, paralyzed body is the seed of what I shall become. The paralysis makes what I am to become all the more grand when you contrast atrophied, useless legs, splendless, resurrected, sp splendorous, resurrected legs. So she's talking about her legs that are not able to move, not able to hold her up. They are atrophied and useless legs. She's comparing them to splendorous, resurrected legs. I am convinced that if there are mirrors in heaven, and why not, the image I'll see will be unmistakably Johnny, although a much brighter, a much better, brighter Johnny. So much so that it is not worth comparing. I will bear the likeness of Jesus, the man from heaven.
So her testimony that she's looking forward to the coming of Jesus, to the rapture, when she's caught away to be with the Lord. And so uh, Paul refers them to that when he says here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1 that the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ by our gathering together unto him. And so he says, now remember the, the title of the message is Stand Firm and Hold to the Teachings Given You. And so uh, when we talk about standing firm and holding to the teachings that are given to you, uh, the Bible tells us that we are to live in a state of readiness for when Jesus comes. We do not know when he's going to come. There are those that have set dates and said that, that these dates are when he's coming, uh, but they've all been wrong. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 42 that of that day and hour no one knows. I'll read, read it to you. Watch therefore, this is Matthew 24, 42 and following verses. Watch therefore, ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. So we are told to be watchful. Uh, so Jesus said uh, that he is going to come as a thief. This is not the only place that he says that. Uh, you can look at other references to this, actually, in 1 Thessalonians, in the very next chapter. Uh, he talks about that in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, he says, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Uh, it's also given again in the book of Revelation uh, where Jesus said, I come as a thief. And so uh, the, the coming of the Lord, that's 1615. If you're writing references down, you want to look at it later. Um, the, the coming of Jesus as a thief. Now, to believers, is Jesus coming as a thief to believers? No. And you can talk about the coming of Jesus in the rapture. And you need to keep those things straight, folks. Because there's two comings of Christ that are spoken of. Well, I mean, we could talk about his coming as a babe, but I'm talking about his return. Uh, the return of Christ is spoken of uh, where Christians are going to be concerned. And we call that the rapture, which is not a Bible word, but it comes from the word caught up. And that is a, a Latin word that means to be caught up, uh, the rapture. So that's why that word is used. It's not, it's not a word you can find in the scripture. Uh, so he says uh, that uh, we need to be 
aware of the fact that he can come at any time. Uh, so to a believer, he's not coming as a thief because we're expecting him. We're watching for him. We're ready for him. And we know he could come at any time. His coming is imminent. That means it can take place at any time. There's absolutely nothing that has to happen before Jesus can come again. Uh, he can come whenever the Father says it's time, and he can come for his waiting church. So uh, when he talks about the thief, uh, if a thief is coming to your house, if a robber's coming, uh, he doesn't send word, does he? And say, uh, I'm coming at 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, so I want you to be sleep take your sleeping pills, uh, take your uh, NyQuil Zs, and, uh, and be sleeping real sound, because I'm going to re be real busy robbing you, and I don't want to be disturbed. So I'd like for you to sleep so that I don't have to worry about losing time and being interfered with and have to talk to the police. Uh, they don't do that. Uh, they just come and they take, don't they? Uh, the Christian is watching, is aware, is waiting, is looking for his Lord to come, and therefore the Lord will not come as a thief to us, but he will come to his wa watching, waiting church. Uh, Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, uh, Paul tells us some things that we need to be aware of. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, and I'll read that for you. He says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared, hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope. So there's how we are to live, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We are to live in readiness he says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar, and does not mean a weird people, but a precious people, zealous of good works. So that's why Jesus came, and that is how we are to live. We are to look for him with expectation, knowing that our Lord is coming, and it will not be a surprise to us when he does come. Uh, when we talk about the rapture, it's, it's spoken of in different places. <clears throat> Paul says here in 1 Thessalonians, I show you a mystery. Now, a mystery doesn't mean that it's esoteric, it can't be known, uh, that it's somehow mystic, it's, it's not that thing but it was not known, it was not revealed in the past. Uh, but it was revealed to Paul. Paul is the one that speaks the most about the rapture. Uh, Jesus talks about his return, 
<clears throat> Jesus said in John 14, 1 to 3, and you know those verses well, don't you? If I go away, I'll come again. He promised to come again. Uh, but we know he's coming for his church. He's coming for us, folks. And Paul says we're going to be caught up. We're going to be raptured. But he, he, in the second time when he comes, because he's coming a second time, and at that time, he'll come with his church. We'll come with him at that time. Uh, so uh, Paul talks about it at length in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 to 55. Uh, he talks about it uh, in Thessalonians that I've read to you. And I'm not going to read those verses, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. And what about Acts 1? Didn't the uh, angels preach that when Jesus was taken up to heaven? Uh, why stand ye here gazing, you men of Galilee? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, is, is going to come in like manner as you've seen him go. It was the believers that saw him go. He went... Visibly, he went with his glorified body up into the clouds, and the angel said he's going to come the same way you saw him go. Not going to be a spiritual return as Jehovah's false witnesses teach. It's going to be a bodily return, his glorified body, and that's what Paul talks about. He's going to come with a shout, the Lord himself. It's not going to be an angel. The Lord himself is going to come with the shout of an archangel. Remember when Jesus <clears throat> raised Lazarus from the dead? <clears throat> Jesus told them, uh, move the stone away from the tomb. And the sisters objected uh, because uh, Master, he's been in there already four days. You know, decomposition has taken place. And we'd call that corruption, wouldn't we? Corruption has already begun, the breakdown of, of body tissues. Uh, but Jesus insisted, move the stone, uh, and you'll see the glory of God. So they moved the stone, and what did Jesus do then? He had a prayer, didn't he? He had a prayer, Father, I know that you hear me, you always hear me. And, and then he said, No, it doesn't say that, does it? He, he crawled out in a loud voice. Lazarus, come forth! <laughs> Did I scare it, Ava? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Lazarus came out uh, bound with grave clothes. Uh, the miracle had happened. But Jesus called in a loud voice. Imagine what it's going to be like. Only believers are going to hear his voice, folks. Only believers. Um, the world will be uh, un, unshaken because they will not hear his voice. Only believers will hear his voice, and the voice of the dead, or the voice of the Lord, will resound through the corridors of the dead. And... 
They are going to come out of graves. They're going to come with bodies reconstructed, those that have been uh, burned or blown to pieces, uh, those that in the trade towers uh, that were totally disintegrated. Uh, God knows every molecule. God knows every part of their being. And they're going to come together again if they're believers in Jesus. And they'll have a glorified body, a body that cannot be affected by death or disease. And their spirits will be reunited because uh, the Bible teaches us that when we die, we, our spirit goes to be with the Lord. The body is in the casket, but the spirit goes to be with the Lord. So the real you is with Jesus if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, then you have a sentence away from God, but your spirit is somewhere else. It's not in the grave. And so <clears throat> uh, Paul says here <clears throat> in the second chapter, and I, I've got several points here, and I don't have time once again to make them. I'll have to spread this out over several sermons, uh, but you'll be able to stand that, won't you? Um, you know what Charlie Williams, one of our preachers, used to say, that the mind cannot absorb more than the seat can endure. Uh, so that's, that's very uh, astute, isn't it? The, ma the mind cannot absorb more than the seat can endure. Uh, well, he preached that back in a time when we used to sit on the wood seats. I guess you're sitting on wood seats too, aren't you? A lot of pews now are padded, and we have a lot more comforts. But uh, Paul goes on to say, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And then the man of sin is going to be revealed, the son of perdition. You know that, that awesome, terrible man that we think about, the man of sin, the man of lawlessness? A lot of description given here, and I can't, I can't give it to you, because, you know, with a small group, I'm just not going to keep you here a long time. I want to give you the word. I want you to have the word. I want you to go with the word. But Paul says that before these things happen, and he's talking about the day of the Lord. That's the final day. That's the day when, no, it's not the rapture of the church. It's when Jesus comes back at the end of tribulation. It's when Jesus comes back uh, and when... Uh, the judgment of God takes place. Uh, when we think about the beginning of the millennium, uh, the thousand years that Revelation talks about. But he says, <clears throat> there's going to be a falling away. <clears throat> and so, uh, minds that are more astute than mine have said that coming events cast their shadows back over current events. So, like, you know there's a storm coming, you see the clouds, 
you know there's foreboding because you wonder what's in that storm. And so it, it, casts, it casts its shadow back over us, as it were. Uh, we see the signs of it. Uh, Paul says that the final day, not the, not the rapture, because there does not have to be a sign for that to take place, but the final day is going to come when there's a great falling away. So if that's true later, then wouldn't it be true that the shadow of that could be cast back over us today too? Uh, I'm not saying it's a hard and fast rule because there's been a lot of shadows cast. I mean, think about what has happened in our world with world wars. Think about the evil rulers that this world has had, Hitler. Uh, think of how the Jews must have thought this certainly is going to be the end. Uh, and yet Hitler went on until Allied troops defeated Germany and Japan. Um, so it, I can't say it's a hard and fast rule, but it's certainly something to think about. And so I ask you, is there a falling away? Is there apostasy today? <clears throat> Did you read in the paper? Did you, do you get the Marysville paper? Did you read in the Marysville paper that the Methodist Church is going to be voting uh, on the, this is the big Methodist Church in Marysville, they're going to be voting uh, whether to stay in the Methodist denomination or not, or whether to break away, because uh, some of the uh, people that are in the upper uh, echelon, the upper levels of Methodist Church, uh, have pulled away from Methodist doctrine. The discipline uh, of the Methodist Church they don't hold as binding anymore. Uh, marriage between a man and a woman uh, for it's being advocated today that marriage can be between two men, uh, two women. Uh, the Bible does not endorse that. Uh, Jesus said in the beginning God made them male and female, and that a man should leave his father and mother and should cleave to his wife. So the Bible endorses marriage between a man and a woman. But today, uh, there are those who have pushed for what's called gay marriage, which isn't really a marriage at all. Uh, and so the Methodist Church is going to be voting, and I'm I, I believe it's uh, September 9th or 11th. I can't remember now the exact date. Um, and they don't know what way it's going to go. They have to have a majority that says they want to leave the Methodist Church uh, and go in a direction where the discipline would be honored and would be adhered to. But their problem is they got 800 members. 800 members, and they don't know where a lot of them are because they don't run that much on Sunday. So they haven't, they haven't called, they haven't cleaned up their books, so they don't know what the vote's going to be. It has to be a majority vote. So they don't know how it's going to go. But isn't that apostasy? That's departing from the faith. I'm not talking about the vote now. I'm talking about what the leadership has done 
in pulling away from what the statement of faith was. And John Wesley, um, John Wesley would be appalled uh, that he thought anything with the Methodist name uh, would be going in the direction that some of the churches are. There are a lot of good people in the Methodist church. There are a lot of good people that have been in the Methodist church. And, uh, you know, the Methodist cemeteries and back of some of these churches, they have a lot of faithful people that gave, held revivals, uh, advocated living for the Lord, um, but many have pulled away. And so they're no longer adhering to what the Bible says. The Bible is not their only rule, faith and practice. So Paul says there's going to come a falling away, and he speaks of it also in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, that in the last day some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. And so the devil's at work, and not only, not only in pulling away from doctrine, but forsaking the assembling. That's apostasy too, folks. Because it's not the same thing to sit in your pajamas and watch church on TV when you're able-bodied and you can get out to the house of God and join with others and encourage one another and work together for the glory of God. That is also apostasy. It's pulling away and it's falling away uh, from what the traditional teaching of Christianity is. Uh, there are people that are meeting in foreign countries that are risking their lives to be with other believers because they feel the need to be with other believers and be strengthened in their faith. And so we dare not pull away from the assembly of God's people. And now, <clears throat> I said there's a lot in here. <clears throat> Uh, some would have a timeline. Uh, there's, there's coming tribulation, a lot of trouble in this world. Uh, there's coming a time when this man of sin is going to be revealed. There's coming a time, uh, Revelation talks about it, uh, where uh, this beast is going to have control of money and people and commerce. Uh, and you hear the, 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 the feared number. <clears throat> and folks, just to keep you engaged with me, <coughs> what is the feared number? Give it to me. Okay, <laughs> good. 666. Yep, when I was working at Honda. And they have those tags up on the cars as they come through when the 666 car would come through. Oh, there was talk about that. About, that's the devil's car, whatever. <laughs> like we were building a car for the devil. Well, uh, 666, so a lot of people know those numbers. Uh, some people are really caught up in, in uh, looking at tables when things are gonna happen. And it's like some people are gonna be you know, looking at the schedule and the Lord's going to come and they're not going to be ready because the Lord's not following their schedule. 
So I want to read the scripture to you now. I told you we'd read it. And I'm going to read my text to you now. So stand with me now. See, I sneaked up on you. We're going verse 13 to the end of the chapter now. I'm check, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, or hold the teachings, whether by word or by our epistle. <clears throat> now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. You may be seated for the remaining part of the message, and the last part will not be as long as the first part. Take heart. <coughs> Excuse me, I didn't get my hand over the mic in time. And so, you notice that Paul goes clear away from thinking about the tribulation, the man of sin, falling away, he goes instead to what God has done for them and their hope. Um, yes, others will be deluded, uh, but uh, uh, Warren Woolsey, Woolsey, who is a Wesleyan commentator, uh, wrote, uh, speculation has disappeared from view. Uh, he no longer is talking about the speculation of what's going to happen. He's talking about their standing in Christ and the security that they have. <clears throat> you know we can look at the negative side and we can lose a lot. <clears throat> you know when things get dark, when People go by the way when, oh, you could, you could put name after name on these pews. Not of people that have died, but of people that have been here at one time and have decided not to continue. You know we could fill this, these pews with all those names, couldn't we, Janice? It wouldn't be hard, it would be, but it would be discouraging, wouldn't it? When some of them have departed, they have... They have gone the way of apostasy, <clears throat> not just to other churches. Many times they just plain quit. <clears throat> but here's Paul saying, <clears throat> we are bound to give thanks to God for you. When you start getting down, you start getting the blues, start thinking of somebody that's an inspiration and a blessing. And don't dwell on the negative. Let's... Take the positive. Let's look at what God is doing that is good. And where there's hope, and where there's encouragement, and where there is strength given from people that are walking in the light of God. And we trust that they'll continue to be faithful and that we'll be faithful. <clears throat> Paul says, 
God made a way for salvation. You listened to the call. Uh, he called you by our gospel. So here I am, this little preacher, preaching with a, with a big horn that says, Hear the gospel. The gospel's true. The gospel can save you. The gospel can get you to heaven. <clears throat> so yeah, a little man, but I got, I got a big message. And the message is, Jesus saves. Jesus forgives sin. Jesus can get you to heaven. And it's going to be through the works of grace that he has established through being saved and sanctified, through believing the truth and keeping following the truth. <clears throat> so he says, just keep standing. Stand fast. <clears throat> hold, to, hold to beliefs. Now, if you're going to hold to the beliefs, you need to, need to know what the doctrine is and what the beliefs are, don't you? So that means read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. When you're blue, when you're discouraged, read your Bible. And ask God to imprint the truth on your heart and help you, even when your mood's not good, to trust Jesus for a better mood and a better day. <clears throat> He said, now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and has given us everlasting comfort, everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. No, it, our situation is not hopeless. We have good hope. And it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ because God loved us in spite of our sins God made a way for us to get to heaven in spite of our disobedience. And he's opened the door wide for us. So now we need to comfort our hearts and establish or establish you in every good word and work. Don't just be talk, but do good work. Speak the word of God and be faithful to what the scripture says. So, stand firm and hold to the teachings. And may God add his blessing to the ministry of the word this morning. I ask you to stand together with me. If you have a need this morning, we'd like to pray. We've always got time to pray with you. And we invite you to come to the altar if you have a need. Bring your need to Jesus. Lord.